Thank you for tuning in to the First Gen Hunter Podcast, the go-to resource for those seeking to establish a foundation in hunting knowledge, skills, and tactics. Hey there, folks. It's been a long time since we had a classic update as to what's been going on in the life of myself and our favorite Brandon, Mr. Brandon Martin, the now 35-year-old as I'm recording this. You'll hear all the, all the details on his, uh, chronolo- should we say, chronological stats. Uh, what's another term for it? How many trips around the sun he's made. Um, you ever see those like really, uh, you know, I, I think they're kind of salty. They're, they're meant to like take a shot at young parents, young mothers. And I suppose I feel more sensitive to it because, you know, I'm in that boat right now. I'm a young parent. I'm married to a young mother. You know, we've done the whole, Oh, our kid is, you know, 21 months old today or whatever. And, uh, then you get those people who are like, you know, I don't know just not like uh they're not they're not enjoying that vibe i guess you could say and so they make like this this meme where they're like all swaddled up in a you know like a bed comforter and they're like oh my precious daughter she's you know 320 months old today or whatever and uh you know that kind of thing so maybe we could make one of those it'd have to be like a camo covered comforter we could have Brandon all swaddled up with his his eyes closed and uh, you know some oversized pacifier, and we would say that Brandon is I don't know how many months go into thirty five years. I could probably sit here and and try and do that math, but uh, uh, <laughs> we don't want to get that far off track. But anyways, this was a great episode we call it group therapy though because not only is brandon on here chopping it up with me but so is our good buddy alex gruen from east west hunts and my youngest brother once again back on the show mr jake jake or do baby jake and uh i don't know i'm kind of out of nicknames mr uh, big buck killer in his first year of archery hunting maybe we could say but uh all these guys on the show tonight and it was i don't know it might have been the most fun episode that i've done um man i've just been privileged to to uh sit in on some great interviews here lately this isn't really an interview style this is more just some guys kicking back and and enjoying the community side of hunting so i hope you guys as you're tuning into this you feel like you're sitting on the other end of the line with us participating or maybe even uh at deer camp with us or something i don't know we all give each other a bunch of grief in this one though it's a lot of fun and uh, i think you're going to enjoy listening in um be sure hey if you haven't done it yet go over to my link tree on instagram or you could even go into the show notes on this episode what are the show notes you may be asking that is a great question well when you pull up the podcast if you're listening to it from uh apple podcasts or google podcasts or iHeartRadio or stitcher or podbean or even on firstgenhunter.com all you got to do is like hit the little more 
button underneath the episode and I'll show you all the write-up that I have on the episode plus all my links and there you will find the links to two of the uh, companies that uh, I'm working with that'll be good old camo fire this is the time of year to be stocking up on all of your hunting gear for this fall and there's not a more affordable way to get great gear that you're actually going to need and you're actually going to use than by going to camo fire but make sure you use the links that i provide you because you know that helps me out and the other company of course is black ovis and uh, they're gonna have you know if you have a more expensive taste than uh you know the screaming hot deals that you can find on camo fire then you can go over to black ovis and uh you'll find you know some like some bigger name brands uh, but still at a reduced rate. So you'll definitely get a better deal shopping there than you will most anywhere else. Just on some, you know, higher name, higher brand name hunting products. So make sure you head over to those two places. Both of those links, again, are in the show notes. And they're also in my link tree on my Instagram profile. Speaking of which, if you are not yet following me, please do. I try to put up all sorts of good content that may or may not be talked about on this uh, podcast or shown in the YouTube videos, just kind of see what's going on in my life as I try to balance, you know, family life, parent life, work life, and of course, outdoor life. And, uh, you know, <laughs> it gets pretty crazy from time to time. Uh, tonight was definitely one of those crazy parenting nights. Had to do with uh, driving about a half hour away to get somewhere, and when we got there, um, you know what just to save their embarrassment i'll just say one of my kids um had peed peed their pants yeah had to pull the whole uh liner out of the car seat and throw it in the wash when we got home had a hose out the car seat out the yard yep that's uh that's uh life right now but before i bore you to death with all of my nitty-gritty family details let's go ahead here and roll into this really fun filled with laughs episode episode 57 of the first gen hunter podcast thanks for tuning in everyone Hello, everybody, and by everybody, of course, I mean our listeners, but I mean our humongous number of guests that we have on this call tonight. This is a new all-time record, Brandon. What do you think? <laughs> yeah, I'm excited. I mean, hey, it's uh, it's like group therapy, so we're we're excited about tonight. It's good to <laughs> good to reminisce, you know, plan for the future, talk about what's going on. It's going to be fun. Yeah, man, I agree. So we should probably introduce who el who else is on the line. So uh, two very familiar voices, one who uh, is, is getting more familiar all the time, and uh, mm -hmm. that would be our good friend, Mr. Alex Gruen from East to West Hunts. Alex, thank you for uh, calling in from the good old state of Michigan. Oh, I thank you. Thank you. You know, what? <laughs> what's the nickname? What's What's Michigan's nickname? 
Uh, Pothole Central. (laughs) (laughs) Pretty accurate. (laughs) And I'm guessing that's not because of the... That's correct. That's in my opinion. I think our state tree is a construction cone. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, You know, you say that, and we're talking about, we're talking about a hunting pod, or, you know, we're a hunting podcast here. I have a funny road cone hunting story, actually. Uh... (laughs) My cousin, who occasionally listens into the show, uh, shout out to Mr. Brian Elrod. Uh, he and I went squirrel hunting probably, I'm going to say, maybe the second year of hunting that I was doing. And, uh, you know, I was like, I, I'm the, I, I'm a safety first kind of guy, okay? Jake makes fun of me for it all the time. You know, I'm, I'm not to the point, you know, where I like swim with a nose plug or anything. <laughs> anything like that (laughs) but especially when it comes to public ground i i do not get shy about blaze orange you know Mm -hmm. and and uh for deer that's fine because we believe deer do not perceive blaze orange and the uh number of deer that go down every gun season every blaze orange season would seem to suggest that they do not perceive orange you know Mm -hmm. they don't have Mm -hmm. the orange sight experience that we as humans do but um squirrels i'm not convinced and uh (laughs) we were squirrel hunting Mm -hmm. on on a large piece of public ground and during uh late muzzleloader season too so i mean definitely could be some guys out there you know with some long range firearms Mm-hmm. and i wore a big old orange parka and we saw like no squirrels and, <laughs> and and i believe i believe uh my cousin in a not so subtle way was like well maybe if you didn't look like a big old road cone sitting out here in the forest you'd actually see something. Oh, <laughs> sounds like brian <laughs> yes yes yeah so i'm not gonna say he's wrong yeah, there's, in fact, there's probably a very good chance that he is spot on there, but uh, you know, it made me think of that. But yeah, so p- the pothole state, um, and it's not because of the uh, glacial pothole lakes. I'm assuming that you're. <laughs> no, no, I don't think so either. <laughs> you know, the, the other guy, the other, the other guy on the line here could probably help you with that to some degree if you want to. That's right. Get your uh, your state to offer a contract for all the uh state funded highways but (laughs) but that would be my brother jake boucher who i have done all kinds of black topping with in the past and uh jake did you do any black topping today no just striping it's easy Mm. day just striping okay well if you're listening into this and you're in the uh you know illawa region give Mm -hmm. old proline striping out of uh muscatine iowa a uh (laughs) A call on the phone if you had any uh, r- line striping or potholes to fix. There's our unofficial uh, uh, commercial for you guys. There you go. Yeah. I like that. We yeah. <laughs> send Daniel an invoice. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. <laughs> no, uh, that that's a uh, it's an important job. It keeps you know people from uh, having to buy new tires all the time and get get to a good hunting ground and everything else. So you know we 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 here at first and hunter thank you for your your service to our roads but uh, <laughs> well, thank you we've talked way too much most about... people are like jake why do you do that job <laughs> so it's nice to hear uh nice to hear a compliment i'm pretty sure i used mm. to ask you that job while i was doing that job with you 
<laughs> yeah, first ten hundred took you away from us, yeah. and none too soon. No, it, was, it was a good job, but man, you want to talk about a physically demanding uh, job? Mm-hmm. I have yeah. done, I have done all kinds of manual labor jobs through my through my life. You know, in the summers as a high mm-hmm. school kid, college kid. Yeah. You know, then after got married. And up until this last year when I was uh, doing uh, First Gen Hunter, I have done plenty of crazy manual labor jobs. But nothing quite dis- – nothing destroyed me quite like <laughs> blacktopping. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. It was it was an experience for sure. But but uh, that there's all kinds of stories. I think Jake probably has a few funny videos out there. Um, pictures of me with chemical burns all over my arms because Jake, oh, didn't, Jake didn't warn me of the dangers of some of the products that we were using. <laughs> you know, I'm pretty sure I warned you. You know, you're in management, Alex. Do you think I could get like an OSHA, you know, file an OSHA complaint on Jake for that? No. <laughs> <laughs> Even, even if you could i'd still say no <laughs> <laughs> oh man are you gonna uh, tell that's me? like that that's like when somebody's like oh you know did something and uh workman's comp and i'm like i'm pretty sure i'm gonna find something on camera that is not workman's comp <laughs> yeah. so don't, don't, don't even try and they're like oh all right <laughs> oh man you know Br- brandon's had some interesting work experiences uh in the last year as well, Brandon, is you you've been pretty swamped here lately. Are things kind of cooling off for you now as you get into your uh, summer saltwater season that you'll get to tell us all about here pretty soon? Uh, you know, it's it's been you know it's been crazy. You know, I guess in in a in a good way because you know when you have work and it's busy, it's it's a good thing. But you know, I, I manage a dental practice. And, uh, you know, post COVID with everything going on, you know, it's just been kind of, we, back when we opened, reopened back in May of last year. So we've been, you know, could reopen for a year now. We kind of, we, the plan initially was to slowly ramp back up, but just, it it went zero to 60 in like, you know, two days Mm. and it's pretty much been that for the last year. So, you know. We're adding another doctor to the practice. You know, we're, you know, we've, we hired a bunch of ad- administrative individuals, hygienist assistants, you know, so it's just a lot going on. So it's a good thing. It's just, you know, when you're, when you're putting in 60 to 70 hours a week, you know, and you're trying to obviously make time for family as well and sneak the hunting and fishing in where you can, you know, it's a, it makes for a pretty packed schedule, but ultimately all good things. So count, count counter blessings i guess we could say that's right that's that's good to hear and it is good to have work and to uh, be busy with that and mm-hmm. i'm about to rub all that into your faces right now because yeah right, summer exactly. break guys is right yes. around the corner however yeah i would gladly petition for summer break to be shifted to fall break and just have like all of all of my summertime off just be like during hunting season Oh, October, November. Oh man. Sure. <laughs> It'd be, and then I'd be the one to like tag out on day one. Yeah. <laughs> you, know, you, you, know, you know what, Kent? If, if, 
if if that was really the case, I, I may even have to try my hand at teaching for even just a year. <laughs> yeah. Oh man, you know what? That's how they could. That's how they could solve the te- teaching shortage. They'd have they'd have hunters flooding the market. They yeah, would- <laughs> yeah. Like you know, all of a sudden, it's like, man, we've had this huge shift where there's a bunch of male teachers now. Oh my god, sign <laughs> me up. <laughs> yeah. Oh man, yeah, that would be. That would man, we're solving problems already here, people. Yes, solving yes. the potholes of Michigan. We're uh, we're uh, figuring out how to how to uh, solve the uh, education teacher shortage problem. Man, and just to be correct, there's nobody solving any any Michigan pothole problem. <laughs> I am I am convinced that Michigan doesn't want to solve the problems. They want to patch it and then continue having the same people do the same job. Every year, yeah, and and then at this point we've baked in how many you know tires we have to you know sell every year, so so that yeah. works out yeah. for the automotive. Uh, and then you screw something up so bad you got to go buy a new car. So GM and Ford. Are, <laughs> I mean, I'm, I'm convinced yeah, that's the, true. the Detroit economy is based off of terrible roads at this point. <laughs> they could have figured this out over the years, and I've been here pretty much all my life, and they haven't figured it out. If anything, it's gotten worse. <laughs> Oh man. Oh man. Yep. <laughs> I like the, that's I like hilarious. the link back to the old motor city there. That's, that's a good, that's a good little conspiracy theory there. And you know, yeah. Brandon, you gotta be getting pretty close to the old 35 numbers. So, uh, we might be able to, uh, put you up for president next time around. Yeah. Well, <laughs> believe it or not, believe it or not, tomorrow is my 35th birthday. So Ooh, tomorrow, no tomorrow is the big day. Yep. Yeah. Nice. So big, big three, five. So here that's we are. Birthday, and, man. Yeah, yeah, happy birthday. birthday. Thank you. Thank you. You know, it's it's funny. Um, every year my dad and I go fishing right around my birthday, and our goal every year, we I've been doing this since since at least I was 21. I think I was 21 and kind of getting ready to finish college soon. And so we decided, okay, every year we're gonna go fishing, we're gonna try to catch the same number of fish as you know the year I'm turning. And of course, that gets more and more difficult the older you get. Yeah. And so so we were out on uh, this past Saturday and, you know, we were all set and started super slow and man, it was, it was <laughs> like, man, I don't think we're going to get there. It was like, we were 45 minutes in and we only had like five fish and I was like, man, uh, I guess we're not going to do it, but man, it's a good time out here with dad. But then man, it turned on, we were catching left and right. My dad was happy. My dad had the best day of fishing that I've seen him have in probably 20 years. Like he wow. was, he really was doing really well. And, uh, we were, we got to 20 well, we got to 28 and my dad, we both we were, we were about pulling in and my dad was like, if one of us catches one on this next cast, we'll, we'll, we'll stay a little bit longer. I caught one. Then we both doubled on, on a couple. And then before you know it, we were at 34 and we were like, Oh, we got to stay and hang out for it. And we, we got the one, so we got 35 for 35. So we did it. That's, that's an awesome wow, tradition. Great. You know, yeah, yeah so it's cool. My, yeah. I, I've, I've confessed about my fishing luck on here before, you know, it was, <laughs> it was on a, you're musky. really good, right? <laughs> you're right. <laughs> I was, what was that musky trip you went on? <laughs> oh man. You want to talk about salt, salt water in the wound. Jake bringing yeah, up that yeah. musky trip. Oh my goodness. <laughs> oh. Yeah. That was when I, that was when I cemented in my mind. Okay. Even though I've only hunted for like a couple of years, <laughs> I, I am a hunter first and a fisherman 
Uh, hey that's that's all right we all have you know we all have our thing so that's good nothing wrong with that yeah that's 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 right i gotta and and you know what i enjoy uh i've actually kind of you know i grew up doing a lot of lake and pond fishing and stuff kind of like what you're talking about there brandon but yep as i've gotten older and i think it probably feeds into the hunter obsessive shed hunter uh side of me but Mm -hmm. Iowa trout fishing has become my favorite way to fish. It's just, yeah. uh, you, you, the, you know, what's, what's interesting about Iowa trout fishing specifically, and I'm sure it's, it's similar, like in States like, uh, oh, I think Arkansas, you can do a little trout fishing up in the Hills and, um, Pennsylvania, I think has some pretty good trout fishing. So I imagine it's probably similar in places like that, but you get out, you get out, uh, West, you know, up into the mountains, a lot of those streams, they're just so the, the, the great, the gradient is just so steep that you end up fishing a lot of, a lot of, uh, you know, like mouths of, of streams as they dump spill into a bigger lake, you know? So it's kind of mm-hmm. more of like the mm-hmm. lake fishing type way. Although, you know, I certainly, there's, <laughs> there's so much more of the West that I've never fished. So I'm sure you could find some, some valleys with some, you know, pretty similar streams like I'm talking about here in Iowa, but, but yeah, you know, you got these nice flat landscape with this, you know, really cold water, stream flowing through it you can just walk just cruise the banks of those or even get into the stream you know just kind of walk real slowly with some waders or i like to do it Mm -hmm. just in shorts and some uh like sandals and uh you know just kind of go at your own pace and man you see wildlife you're you get way in there in some of these public areas and i really i really enjoy that now so i'm actually looking forward to that this this summer myself but but um you know one speaking of the musky trip I think that was the last Jake was that no I did do a uh, I did do a salmon charter since then that was much more successful but uh <laughs> we the four of us have a guided trip that we got to get nailed down to date but it's looking like January um mm-hmm. that we're uh we're all going to pull together from our uh, different corners of the country and uh meet up with our yes. good buddy TJ, TJ Scott down at uh, Kilmo Ducks in the boot mm-hmm. hill of Missouri and uh, try our hand as a <laughs> Brandon. I think you're going to be our most experienced waterfowl hunter by far, <laughs> but uh, we're going to try a little waterfowl hunting and I'm trying, I'm trying to see how uh, Alex can uh, like meet up with uh, Jake and me maybe, and we can, the three of us can uh, ride down together, but, but yeah, um, we're uh we're looking forward to uh, doing that. So that's, yeah, um, that's, I'll tell you what I'm pumped about that. I mean, you know, I, I that was a big part of me growing up, you know, it, it's interesting how I think a lot of guys have the evolution of, you know, when you're growing up, you're doing a lot of different things. And this is probably very like eighties, nineties type thing too, you know, for that. Now that I, I can say I'm about to turn 35. So like, yeah, I'm part of whatever, whatever that generation is, um, you know, like, you know, it, it was like, you were kind of, you kind of like when I grew up, it was kind of like, you kind of learned to be a Jack of all trades and a master of none in the, in the sense that you just kind of hunted whatever, whatever was out there, you know, sure. Whatever is in season, you just go out and you kind of figured out. And I mean, there is some benefit to that. And, you know, so it was kind of the same thing with waterfowl learning it, figuring it out. You know, I remember even building a goose blind out back in the field behind my house, you know, just, just building one just for the heck of it. And 
shot some geese out of it, had a great time, you know, just, just fun. So that's, I cool. mean, just the, the, the camaraderie, you know, I think we're all looking forward to that and just having fun, you know, and that's what, that's a big part of what all of this is all about. So man, it's just, if you can, if you can mix that with what we love to do, man, wow. How can it, how can it be any better? Yeah, mm-hmm. Sign me up. Yeah, yes, yeah for definitely. Sure. <laughs> now we got to, I mean, we might have to tap uh, Alex's shoulder here because he's kind of the gear guy in, amongst yes. us all. But uh, yes. oh, I, I, for, I, for one, have <laughs> to uh, get some waiters. <laughs> and I, but you yeah, know, I, I don't, don't have extras, so you can't borrow. <laughs> <laughs> Man, I was going to have you outfit us. But, uh, <laughs> yeah. I no, got I'm an gonna... extra pair for you, Kent, if you want to oh, borrow. Oh, yeah, go. right. Yeah. Jake's waiters. Oh, man. If you go back to episode 13, you can hear uh, uh, Garrett Fike's uh, story on how Jake provides waiters. <laughs> <laughs> you'll you'll think you've uh developed early onset incontinence when you uh, climb out of those things <laughs> oh man no so we have that trip to look forward to and uh it'll be a great time getting us all together hopefully be able to do some live podcasts and and uh do some filming with tj and just see what a what a cool operation he has going down there so i'm really pumped about that i know these guys are as well and just like brandon said that that community feeling which is hopefully what you the listeners are enjoying right now because we are all a bunch of guys that love to get out in the woods and and do some different stuff and uh speaking of that i thought you know thinking back to about this time last year brandon hard to believe it we're a year in this is episode 57 that we're recording yeah and yeah, it's awesome. And, uh, you, you, uh, three have been a huge part of that. And so I'm very thankful for that. And of course, thank you to all of the listeners for, for your support along the way and, uh, looking forward to some ways to incorporate our listeners into the show a little bit yeah. more as we go into uh, year two of this project. And, um, but I, you know, last year, Brandon, I think it was episode two, we went through and we rated how our spring went. And I've kind of, you know, I've talked about, because, you know, well, you know, I can't, I cannot stop talking about shed hunting. It's, I have like, yeah. a, I have like some kind of disorder, you know? <laughs> you shed hunt, <laughs> He does not. I don't know what he's talking about. <laughs> I'm actually wearing a shirt right now that has a shed on it. That's how nice. And I, <laughs> I got problems. I really do, but uh, I'm not. I'm not about to stop anytime soon. But, uh, <laughs> but um, I thought we could kind of go through. We're not, instead of doing like the specific categories that we did last year, we're just gonna kind of mm-hmm. give our spring, our spring outdoor activities an overall score of one to five. And so you know, five is like. You know, I should probably have a couple million followers on Instagram right now. My spring was so awesome. <laughs> wow. And one is like, um, please, nobody ask me how my spring went in the outdoors. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, we'll, uh, we'll kind of go with the, those parameters. <clears throat> mm-hmm. And since, you know, I put the script together and I've had, I've had time to think about this. I'll go ahead and start while you guys start thinking of your own scores and then we'll kind of go, we'll go me, then, uh, Alex, then Jake, and then our, uh, fearless, nearly old enough to be president of the United States and totally qualified (laughs) 
to be <laughs> yes. that to be that person. By the way, uh, is, is is 35 the rag on age? Because I'm getting there uh, in like four months, so <laughs> oh, <laughs> I, I, I think I got some things to look forward to. <laughs> 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 hey, it's, it's a it's a it's a very special club. I can't wait for you to be a part of it. I'll, I'll send you, I'll send you your walker. It'll be great. Yeah, <laughs> I, I need I need tennis balls on the bottom of it. <laughs> you're gonna get we those. Uh, you're gonna, you're gonna start getting. Uh, what do they call them? ARP magazines in the mail. <laughs> oh man. <yeah. laughs> oh man. Nursing uh, home priceless. insurance. There we go. Oh man. Yeah. So uh, yeah, thirty man, thirty five for a couple of the guys here. That's awesome. You know, I'm like having that. You guys ever seen? Uh, oh, what's it called? Oh, brother, where art thou? When? Uh, oh yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> one of my favorite lines in that movie out of many f- favorite lines in that movie uh when uh when the one guy uh gets picked up again after they break off the chain gang and he's like i only had two weeks left now i got 86 more years <laughs> and he's like he's like i'll be 120 you know like 120 something when i get out and then the, the one guy's like huh i'll only be 118 <laughs> that's that's who, that's what i feel like right now because i only turned 32 this year you old timers so uh <laughs> yeah yeah, yep. but uh, got a ways to go, Kent. Yeah, that's right. That's right. I only have to catch thirty-two fish this year. Uh, yeah, there you go. That's I think right. I'm gonna have to go, Jake. We're gonna have to go to like, uh, you know, that Bass Pro Tank and do some fishing yeah, there, there if go. I'm if I'm gonna hit thirty-two oh, yes. fish in a day. But uh, <laughs> no, bring a stick of dynamite. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> oh man. So, Kent, well, what you got, sir, for your for your spring outdoor recap what would you what would you give yourself in terms of the rating yeah yeah for sure we need to get back on track here uh <laughs> for, <laughs> no i was just trying to facilitate i'm really, no i appreciate it man i get off yeah, track what you, so wanted was you wanted to, you wanted to get that time off of you there <laughs> well i was listening <laughs> i was no listening to our no i was listening to our interview with age. casey there's no reason to keep talking about age it's fine <laughs> <laughs> well i was listening to our interview with casey brandon and remember yeah. i forgot to introduce him and then i circled back to introduce him again and he had to pull me off my own rabbit trail to introduce himself. Yes. Yeah, yeah, that I'm was hopeless. great. I I'm hopeless. That. Oh man, but no, my spring my spring has been a resounding success, I would say. Nice. Good. So I would I would not give myself a 5, but I'm going to say a 3 and a half. I'm going to okay. give myself a good old 3 and a half because I had by far my best shed season. And that was following up my best shed hunting season last year. And so I, I even, uh, went well beyond that. And, uh, not just because I got more lucky, which I did, I will admit I got, I got, uh, really lucky to start things out, out when, uh, I found that, uh, with my, with my buddy, Luke Fritch, we found that, um, dead buck that had shed. Um, right before he died is the best that we could, we could tell. I know some people say, oh, it pro- they probably got knocked off when, you know, coyotes were yanking on the, the body and maybe, but it just looked like the evidence that we could see probably shed then died. So we got lucky mm-hmm. there, you know, easy to get on the board with a nice, du- you know, match set, but then, yeah. you know, just kind of piece things together. And a lot of that came from listening and interviewing all these people on the, sh- 
on the show and their advice and not just on shed from a shed hunting standpoint, but you know, deer behavior for hunting season and piecing that puzzle together. I felt like, you know, the proof is in the pudding. I found a lot of sheds this year, but also I feel like I'm going to be better come this fall. You know what I mean? When I'm, mm-hmm. when, mm-hmm. when I got a bow in my hand or, you know, a gun on my shoulder, I just feel like I'm going to, I'm going to have a better, I mean, I should have better opportunities is I guess is what I'm yeah. trying to say. And so that's probably the biggest thing. Um, beyond that, I did get out turkey hunting again and, nice. um, yeah. And, uh, uh, did not get a bird, but saw birds. Um, mm-hmm. I did not set up very well. I saw a bird the night before. And so I set up the night before and, um, uh, it just looking back at it. And honestly, what it was is after I, uh, you know, was done hunting for the day and, um, uh, you know, I had, uh, my dad and, and, my son along with me and, uh, mm-hmm. they couldn't participate obviously, uh, because you know, that's the law. And so they're just, yeah. they're just observing, but, mm-hmm. but, um, you know, I didn't want to just sit there all day and then, you know, have to be stuck waiting <laughs> forever for nothing to happen. And, uh, yep. so, you know, we got up and we went looking for some mushrooms and, you know, kind of kept an eye out for some sheds and, um, uh, when I looked back up to where my setup was, it's like I felt all the wisdom of you and Alex and mm-hmm. and, and uh, Jesse and Heath. <laughs> like it's like that was a bad setup. How can you learn from that for next year? And yeah, and uh, I, you know, I, I, it just like clicked with me so much faster than it would have a year ago before we started talking to all these experts and uh, listening mm-hmm. into this. And so, you know, that felt really good. Plus I did hear a ton of gobbling while uh, we were sitting there in the blind and uh, you know, my dad got to hear that and, you know, again, first gen hunter, right? So my dad has never hunted and he didn't hunt then he couldn't, but, but he was there to observe and just mm-hmm. see how everything works. And he had a good time. He, we got to see some, yeah. some deer moving. And, uh, you know, th- we, we got to see turkey and, and deer in the same field. That was cool. Mm-hmm. Hear that turkey gobbling. And, uh, you know, my son Jonas, he was having a great time sitting there as well and hearing all that going on. And, and so <clears throat> just, a, just a great time there. And uh, then I ended up finding that uh, <laughs> the deadhead off the buck that Jake forgot to put powder in his uh, muzzleloader. <laughs> hey, you just shot it with the first time. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yep. So I found that while we were down there, and uh, that was that was an amazing experience. Of course, just uh, and yeah. you know, so special to share that with my my dad and and my son yeah. being there with me. That was that was really cool. And mm-hmm. then uh, we even wrapped it up with finding a couple of morel mushrooms. And um, it was kind of a tough year for morel hunting. I have seen very few people posting on it. And I think it's just because we had such a dry spring here. Um, mm. You know, one of those kind of like, <clears throat> I guess maybe those intangible skills you you develop once you spend enough time in the woods, you start to just feel if things are right for something 
or if they yeah. are, you know what I mean? And, mm-hmm. and, uh, like, like when you start looking, once you start figuring out for, let's go back to sheds. Cause I can't help myself. You start noticing <laughs> that <laughs> you start noticing that all the sign just looks too old. You just know you're not going to find a shed there. You know what I mean? Unless it's like an ancient shed or something from, yeah. from years ago, yeah. you just, you, the, you, it just doesn't feel right. Well, being in the timber, I could just tell it is just too dry. You know, there's mm. the, there's, it's just not going to be a good time. Well then right at the tail end of the season for morels, we got some pretty good rain. And, uh, so I went out with the whole family, uh, my wife and, uh, uh, my, my kids, they came with us and, uh, you know, it was on some public ground. I just started piecing some things together and, uh, I was able to locate a good spot to look and we found a couple of mushrooms, you know, pretty late, nice. pretty late nice. in the season, but it felt good to like, again, take everything that I've been learning, piece it together and kind of crack the code. So that was, that was a really rewarding experience. And I got to let my kids pick the mushrooms, which they thought was awesome. And Got some, cool. got some great pictures. Yeah, that's really them. great. But, but yeah, it was a, it was a really special time. So I'm going with a, a 3.5. I have not done any fishing yet, but I plan to do a little trout fishing hopefully next week. So that's, nice. that's kind of where awesome. I'm sitting this spring. What Alex, were you rated at last year? <laughs> man, that's a, that's a, that's a good question. <clears throat> you know, I probably, I, so I would have to put on the year of experience um, adjuster. And, uh, so whatever it was last year, had I done what I did last year, this year, I probably would have knocked off a point. How about that? Cause mm. I, don't, I don't remember, <laughs> I don't remember what I scored it, but it, everything I was, everything across the board was better this year than it was last year. And even, mm. even with less time, I'll say that too, even with less time this, um, uh, this year, just be again, because of the things that I'm learning from people who have a lot more, a lot more experience and wisdom than I do, which is the whole point of doing what we're doing right now. Mm-hmm. Community, right. Coming yeah. together, teaching each other a little bit. So Alex, mm-hmm. yep. Alex, man, your spring, I know you killed a gobbler. What, how else would you uh, rate your spring so far? Yeah. I, you know, I took some notes here. I don't know how to rate this. Um, <clears throat> I think I'm going to be more conservative than not, but three and a half on yours. Uh, sounds like you got a lot more. Uh, I'll I'll start I'll start off with giving myself a three, and maybe okay. we'll adjust from there. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> it's good to be know, conservative. <laughs> yeah, I I did a few squirrel hunts. I went on a bunny hunt. Oh, I, nice. I definitely shot some squirrels. I thought that was good. Put put some uh, some little chicken wings in the freezer. There you go. Uh, I I took out. You know, I, I'm big on, um, uh, yeah, I call it, I call it sponsor a hunter, but every year I try to get one new person that's interested out there and uh, awesome. pay for either their course or their hunting license or whatever. And then I'll take them mm-hmm. out somewhere. So dude, that's took, awesome, uh, man. That's good for you. That's, that's awesome. That's really neat. I yeah, like that, that idea. Awesome. Yeah. I'm, I'm convinced, you know, if we talk about hunter recruitment, that is the way to do it. If we could just get everybody yes. on the bandwagon to literally say, yeah. I'm going to sponsor a hunter. Yep. I'm going to let them borrow some gear. I'm going to yep. pay for their hunter safety course. And I'm going to show them the ropes a couple times. Yeah. Uh, they, they will get hooked and it probably costs us a hundred bucks. Dude. I love yeah, that, that's man. Awesome. That's, yeah, that's, that's awesome. cool. You know, so that's, I've, I've done that now every year for the past, uh, five years. And, uh, 
I've had four successful uh, pickups. Uh, one guy nice. just he just I, I think I, I did it uh, I did it wrong. I put him in a tough archery hunt right off the bat, and he was bored out of his mind. Uh, so uh, a learned lesson there. But sure. <clears throat> to circle back, uh, the neighbor that I took out, he actually asked me to go out again. So I think that was my oh, win. On top there of you go. That's that's awesome, man. Yeah. Uh, so that's a good one. <clears throat> not necessarily related to my spring hunting, but I drew a really fantastic uh, tag that I had like less than 2% odds for in Arizona for elk. Ooh. So that was, that was uh, a, a moment of me running around the house. <laughs> <laughs> Very excited. And, uh, <laughs> and, and then, yeah, well, that was, that, uh, let, let's keep it there. We'll keep it at that. Yeah. Don't, don't yeah. pull anything. You know, you're getting close to 35 now. You got to be careful with those celebrations. That is true. <laughs> you know, well, well, maybe we'll talk fitness later, but I, I got, I got a story for that. Oh, no. uh, <laughs> and it'll definitely favor your thought here, Ken, of me being old. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I did crush a turkey. So my success there was I. I went out like November, December, January, February, and I, I scouted and I looked at farms and I found different properties that had them. And then I think as I referenced before, I ended up having to pay access to a guide to get on some properties, but I shot a, I guess shot a bird, uh, I don't know, six hours into the opening day, which is, which is really uh, good. Yeah. So I didn't have to waste any time there. And that was, that was good. Um, and then, yeah, everything else is kind of just related to me kind of tweaking some systems and kind of using my off season for it. But that kind of jumps into uh, the summer and getting ready for some other things. So I will stay there. I'll stick to my three. I did not gain mm. three million followers on Instagram. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I can't speak to that. I do have 3,000, which, yeah. which, nice. which is like there a... A third of where I was before, so we'll we'll get nice. back there. But but one thing wow. that's awesome, man. <laughs> that's man. hey, that's a that's a uh, that you're influencing a lot of people for the better. So that's yeah, that's a yeah. that's that's a that's a great spring in my book for sure. Mm-hmm. Well, good. Thanks for the uh, opportunity to share that one. I, it took me a little bit. Hey, no, that's a, and I'm excited to see what comes out of this uh, Arizona elk hunt. I'm really excited to follow oh, along with yeah. that. And, and if you're listening in, be sure to keep an eye out for that com- coming this fall. And uh, are you going to, I imagine, Alex, just based on how you've done some things in the past, and I know you've uh, talked with uh, uh, Tony Treach, who uh, has been on the show before, uh, and he does a lot of uh, pre-scouting for areas he's going to hunt. And I think you've done that in the past, too. Are you going to go out there, like, maybe in uh, August or something to – check things out or do you feel pretty comfortable with the area where you're going? No, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to be humble and, uh, very, uh, what's the right word? I'm going to be vulnerable here. I I posted a thing on Instagram, uh, about a month ago and it was like a horseback picture of guys, you know, going in on a trail. And I, I kind of wrote out a long deal about how it's okay to hire a guide. Uh-huh. And uh, I, I got some, I got some flack on it because people didn't really read what I was saying. But mm-hmm. I, I obviously do oh, really? plans for, for clients. Yeah, 
and uh, <clears throat> you know, and and with that, some of some of the time we do recommend hiring an outfitter, or we will sure. hire an outfitter for somebody. And it's not a like it's not a bad thing. I think there's a stigma that like, oh, you hired an outfitter, so like mm-hmm. you know, you're you you know, whatever. Somebody wants to be negative on it. Uh, but with that, I I vetted out quite a few people and uh, talked to a lot of different guides. And um, I, instead of me flying out there and uh, going through, and I know exactly where I would hunt, and I already made my own hunt plan, which is kind of funny. <laughs> and I even called and told guides this, but uh, I had very high, you know, considering people in the hunting industry uh give me recommendations for a certain guide service so i actually called them and hired them on to do boot on the ground uh scouting and awesome. pictures mm-hmm. because i where i i could go in and i'm pretty certain i can go shoot a 300 inch bull but i want to shoot like a 375 and if i don't actually know what's on the ground there uh yeah that that's the difference of it so oh uh, yeah i did I did hire him on and for me to fly there, get a rental, take the time, do all that is going to cost me more money than just hiring the outfitter to do that. So, right. So, you know, time is money and, uh, the perfect scenario of if you're, if you're in the same boat for me, I rather use that time to hunt more. So what I did was I used, I used, uh, vacation time, instead of splitting it up where I got to go and hunt for a week and then fly out for an additional week to scout, I'm taking 14 days off straight from work. I'm going to fly out there. I'm going to hunt for seven days. And then I have an additional three days extra. If I don't see what I want or if just things are going terrible that I can add on to my trip and then I still have nice. enough time to get home. So nice. mm, that's, a, that's smart. I like that. So, a lot of, a lot of logistics to it, but I think, uh, realistically I can shoot a 300 inch bull, uh, anywhere. Uh, if I can get up three forty plus, I'd be ecstatic for that tag. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, that's exciting. That's, that's really exciting. Oh, man. yeah. And, and you know, with such a, such a once in a lifetime kind of tag, you know, maybe a couple times in a lifetime. What'd you say? 2% odds. I mean, that's pretty, that's pretty, uh, yeah. that's, there's a good chance you may never see that tag again. And so I think, uh, I think, yeah, the way you're doing it is very smart. It's not just, it's, it, it's so easy for, for people to sit back and poke holes in what other people are doing, but hunting is so nuanced you know what i mean and and i think that that is very wise the way you're doing it you're wanting to get you're wanting to get every drop of worth out of that opportunity as you can and i think that's smart yeah right well and and the flack i got the the guy didn't read it but he uh you know i'm not gonna lie i got i got i got fired up and then i was like yeah you know what this guy doesn't deserve my my time but um with it you know if you don't read if you didn't read the post i specifically was saying like hey i i'm doing my own hunt plan i even told this guy i have it and i know areas that i want to look at uh but i'm using the outfitter to go and help me with you know giving me specifics of what they're seeing Mm -hmm. and and immediately it was like you know how dare you hire an outfitter when you're selling these programs whatever and i'm like like dude just read the thing like wow. like 
you know, and then I'm like, you know what? You don't even deserve to follow me. So you can, you can go fly a kite. Because yes. uh, <laughs> <laughs> I, I don't, I don't, I don't deal with people like that. That's the same deal. If, if I, if a client's all, all terrible like that, I will, I will kick them to the curb and say Cianara. But, um, yeah. you, you know, so anyways, uh, a, a good deal there, but that's, that I, that's how I operate. I'm very tactical. I rather shoot one bullet from, 500 yards and make a count then uh you know shoot 10 and miss on all of them so that's just yeah. that's just how i operate yep yeah i i i would i would uh do the exact same thing and you know what the other thing that 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 guy didn't understand is that's part of what you do when you build hunt plans is you connect people with guides from time to time and so yeah and so uh you're testing out your own service but in testing out your own service i just have one question for you alex did you use the promo code first gen 10 at checkout when you did your own uh, hunt plan to save yourself 10 percent <laughs> <laughs> uh, you know what? I uh, I think I just I took an extra few dollars and stuck in the pocket. <laughs> <laughs> you did the friends and family. <laughs> yeah, 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 the VIP. I got the VIP. <laughs> oh yeah. Oh man, Jake. I love it. Springtime. How's it going? Yeah. Uh, yeah. So I always do terrible at these one to five or one to tens. You know, in school, I always rated myself 10 and all my partners 10. And then I'd be offended when someone would give me a five. <laughs> Come on, um, man. You need to know the system. <laughs> yeah. It's like, I help you out. You help me out. But so yeah, I always view it as like 10 is you did the work. Nine, you didn't do anything. So, um, so it's always hard for me on these. But boy, judging by what you guys said, I would give myself a two, maybe. Okay. Um. Yeah, I guess I, I, on the hunting side, I have prepared more this spring than I did last spring. That's um, good. I've done less fishing, though. Uh, last year, was with COVID canceling everything, I could go, go fishing a whole lot more. Um, mm-hmm. But uh, this year, you know, responsibilities start stacking up again. Um, probably the biggest thing I've added this spring is I started shooting a recurve bow. So my friend mm-hmm. here at Fike... Uh, he got me sh- shooting a recurve back in high school, and then I didn't shoot a bow until last year again. And then um, he got the itch for me again to start shooting the recurve. And so I bought one, I think, in December or January. And then I started shooting it, I believe, in January, about when uh, that this negative 15-degree day started rolling around. <laughs> <laughs> That's when I first started, so it was like really hard to get your form there at the beginning because you're freezing and you're miserable but um i've just really enjoyed doing that i've i bet you i shoot i don't know three to five times a week wow um some weeks maybe six times a week but that's um, great it's just i don't know what it is about it but it's 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 more fun than shooting a compound and i don't i don't know why but um it's kind of like you can see your arrow kind of do an arc uh, I shot with Kent the other day. He he probably attest to that. It's just like you can see it a whole lot easier, and mm-hmm. it's just it's fun because you're not stressing about oh I got to close my eye, I got to really focus on this spot and then hold it for five minutes. You kind of just let it let it do its thing. So, um, so I've really enjoyed doing that. Um, I've got a long ways to go, but I plan to hunt with it this fall. So, um, yeah, I've just been practicing a lot. Um, some other outdoor things, 
I guess related to bow hunting. I went to the Pope and Young Museum up in Minnesota. I don't know have, if any of you nice. guys have ever been up there or not. Uh, I, I wanted to do that. That's awesome. How was it? it? Yeah, it was incredible. I didn't really know what I was getting myself into. I didn't know if it was like a two room museum, you know, and, but boy, they did a really nice job with it. The sad thing is I think it's moving if it hasn't moved already. Mm. Um, the talk was maybe they'll move it down to like uh, Springfield, Missouri with Bass Pro or something. Um, I just don't think they're getting the visitors up there that they wanted to. Mm-hmm. Um, it's sad because they'll probably, you know, cut it in half with all the stuff they have up there. Yeah. Um, but it was really cool. The guy who walked us through it was the guy who made the museum. So he's like 86 or something like that. And he, uh, he's been at every single Pope and Young measurement thing every year. Uh, he's the only guy who's ever done that. And so he just had a lot of knowledge. It was really cool seeing the uh, history of bow hunting, how um, how bow hunting, you didn't always have bow hunting seasons. And um, he kind of explained that and just explained all the people like Glenn St. Charles and uh, Fred Bear and, you know, all those famous people. Mm. Um, mm-hmm. And they just had tons of bows uh, uh, on display and I think they had every single broadhead ever made on display. Wow. They had multiple, multiple world record, uh, mounts in there. Um, and so it was just, it was really cool. Um, I definitely recommend it. It might've moved now. I, I'm not for sure, but, uh, if you can find it wherever it's going, uh, it's definitely worth your time. Um, so that was that was really neat. That kind of really and that was about the same time I started shooting the recurve too. So it kind of really uh, got the fire going, help with that. So um, then I've I've only went fishing once. Uh, that was Saturday, and I went bow fishing too. Um, caught my first bass of the year. It was started to rain on me, so I couldn't bow fish. So I started fishing, <laughs> and I pulled a nice like seventeen, eighteen inch bass out after about nice. third cast or so. Nice. And then the rain stopped, so I started looking for carp. And I saw a lot, but I only shot two. So uh, they're all on the other side of the bank, it seemed like. But mm. they're probably on my side of the bank. I just couldn't see them, probably. So, um, <laughs> Do you feel like the recurve has helped you with uh, the bow fishing? I don't know. When I first started, because it's so much different when you shoot that bow fishing rod it, or real it just like the arrow goes to left like two feet and like holy <laughs> smokes and so you kind of have to like no wonder i've been so good at it <laughs> yeah <laughs> so um yeah there's no fletchings on them or anything so uh anyone's guess where it's gonna go but i would i don't know i think it might have helped a little bit maybe but it's like you got to learn your bow again so yeah um mm-hmm. So yeah, I'd give myself a two. I've been a little bit more active on shooting my bow, but um, less active fishing, I guess. So. Sure. You know, Jake did get out and do a little shed hunting, and uh, if it wasn't for his eagle eye older brother, he would have <laughs> yeah, he would have had he would have had a shed. But I uh, spotted it first. <laughs> nice. <laughs> <laughs> so you claimed it. <laughs> That's yep. right. Yeah, I, uh, I, I, right. I sprinted over there and plucked it up out of the mud. <clears throat> awesome. No, no antler left behind. Nope. <sighs> no, that was that was fun getting out together though for sure. And mm-hmm. and yeah, I will I think say that was the only time I went. I think. Yeah. Yeah. Probably was. Yeah. And uh, I will 
I will uh, say this about shooting at the Jake's recurve. You get kind of that feeling like when somebody uh, lets you try out their new, we'll say new four-wheeler or new uh, <laughs> new uh, snowmobile. You know, you don't like quite know what you're doing and you realize that if you don't get this right, things could go very wrong. <laughs> And, yeah, and, right. So you get like a little bit of a rush while you're while you're shooting it. You know, you're hoping that you don't like send an arrow over to the uh, next county. But yeah, uh, I hit the neighbor's house uh, when I was shooting with Fike in high school. <laughs> <laughs> I shot the top of the target, and it ricocheted up. Oh yeah! And people, they were washing dishes at the sink, oh, with the, looking out the window at us, oh. and just whack. Oh man! Oh. So we waited about thirty minutes until we got done washing dishes. And pulled it out of the side of the house. No, it bounced off. <laughs> it's still stuck there to this day. Yeah. Oh. Do you smell propane? Oh, yeah. Oh. Yeah, that was one of those want to get away moments. Yes, that's awesome. Oh man! Well, our uh, sagely. Our sagely uh, tomorrow, 35-year-old veteran of the show, Mr. Brandon Martin from the shores of Delaware. How has your how has your spring been, my friend? It's been it's been awesome, man. I mean, it's been you know I I I I realize uh, every year more and more that. Um, I am blessed with a wonderful wife who allows me to be out what seems to be more and more, um, you know, every year as I, you know, I've, I have a mentorship program that I do. Um, and between that and preparing for coming seasons and fishing and everything, I mean, I'm, I'm pretty much out every weekend. I mean, so, you know, it's a, it's a, it's a balancing act, but I mean, you know, this spring was awesome. You know, I didn't do as much shed hunting as I wanted to, but you know, I ended up getting wrapped, you know, wrapped up more into food plot prep and turkey hunting. And, you know, it kind of, it kind of was interesting because, you know, going in the start of the year here in Delaware, our deer season goes through January. And so I hunted a lot more in January, I um, was trying to get a buddy of mine, a deer and finally was able to do so. And then I got one in January as well. And so we're trying to, you know, I kind of hunt it harder in January than I usually do. And then February, March is usually that time where it's kind of like, Oh, you know, take a break, whatever. But then between a little bit of shed hunting and prepping for food plot stuff, it just kind of rolled right in to everything. Um, I was able to, to, you know, take a couple guys who had never been turkey hunting before out came super close a couple times. I mean, the last day of the season came the closest. I mean, I was so close to getting a, a bird, a really mm. good bird on film. And it just, uh, it was just one of those maddening situations where we had, we actually had two groups set up and the bird, the couple birds came in, gave a, gave a kind of a, uh, a brushy shot at 15 yards to hunters, you know, that were, were north of us. Birds actually came in to us, came out to the food plot field and looked like they were going to come right to the decoys and just turned around and walked away. I mean, just oh. they were, man, they were hot birds. They were gobbling, 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 gobbling all over the place. And it just, you know, sometimes it happens like that, but you know, my buddy was who, you know, I had gotten him into hunting this past year. He was with me for a couple of the deer that I shot and uh, tracking blood trails and you know he's out there enjoying it hearing 
gobbling, you know, all of that. So, I mean, just real, had a real incredible time. And same thing with another guy who had not been turkey hunting ever before, came close with him hearing gobbles all morning. And so it was really cool to experience all that. And, you know, I've already been out fishing and, and enjoying that, you know, has, have a great start. I'm actually taking my, uh, my son and my daughter fishing tomorrow on my birthday, just, you know, going to take them out in the afternoon and Very uh, nice. take them to one of the good spots we go to and, you know, probably will catch a good amount. So, I mean, if I had to rate it, I'd probably say, you know, uh, 3.5 to four, just, you know, being able to be out so much and, you know, prep so many things, continue getting new people into it. I mean, it's, it's really been, it's been a more active than normal spring for me. And so I know we'll talk a little bit more about prep for, you know, summer and different things going on, but I've, I've been really blessed. And I mean, just got you know some cool things going on this coming year with, you know, a, a crew joining the hunting club that um, has their own hunting show and, you know, wants to kind of try to film some episodes for their hunting show, um, you know, here in Delaware and you know, for, for the deer hunting side of things. So, I mean, just some cool stuff, some more mentorship opportunities and things. So very, very exciting. So I'm just, I'm pumped to, you know, I, I love to, I love to fish. It's a good, you know, couple month, you know, thing in the summertime, but like hunting is, is my thing. So, I mean, it's, sure. it's a nice, it's a nice break to do the fishing a little bit, but man, I'm already excited about getting in back into the hunting season in the next couple months. And just like you guys are all talking about the preparation never stops, you know, even in the off season, you're busy doing things, Mm -hmm. tuning things, staying in shape, you know, the list goes on. So it's all part of the journey and it's all fun. Mm. Yeah. Love it. Yeah. That's, that's uh that's a good spring right there. Did you give us a number value by the way? Um, If I, if I had to, I mean, if I had to give a number, I would say four just because it was, it was just such, it was such an active and such a rewarding and such a fun spring because, you know, on, on, on the one front, we probably the thing that kind of would put it over the edge for me is the fact that, um, we've done a lot of food plot prep in over the last few years in the fall. Um, but this year we were able to do, do it in the spring, which really prefer to do it in the spring. You know, we were able to get plots in, you know, we did some alfalfa, some clover, um, some power plant, all whitetail Institute stuff, really good stuff. And, uh, you know, just the way that we're able to do that, you work together as a team, you know, to kill things off, mow, kill things off, all that type of good stuff. It was just a cool team event to be able to do that. And we did, you know, what we would do is we, you know, we would do some morning, turkey hunts and then food plot prep, you know, so it was kind of cool how we were able to wrap that in together and enjoy that. So, I mean, just to, just to already see, just already see, you know, that, that, you know, kind of coming to fruition and seeing the team members, you know, enjoy that together. I mean, it's just cool to, you know, it's kind of, it's interesting how it's expanded to where it used to be oh, you know, October, November is kind of like that time where we're all hanging out together and enjoying it. But it's it's expanded to, you know, into the summer months for fishing and then prepping for hunting season. And it's expanded into December and January, the late seasons. And, oh, it's expanded into March when you're getting ready for turkey hunting. I mean, so it's, you know, it's interesting how as you, you know, as you fall more and more in love with it, it, it ends up really becoming a year round thing and not just a small, you know, little period of time in, in you know, in the year. Yeah, yeah yeah for sure yep that well that's awesome guys i think uh i think uh you know hearing everybody's take on it and what a diverse you know what a diverse 
spring when you look at all the mm-hmm. activities that we all mentioned you know it's just a, yes. a lot of different things that and what it again what it shows is you know how how the hunting community can have a whole lot more in common and a lot more to enjoy when we uh you know treat it the right way i guess mm-hmm. you would say mm-hmm. and yep. uh try to support each other and and uh, cheer each other on and and uh yes also all the great things there are out there to try and do and uh, yep. new ways to new ways to enjoy the landscape and uh mm-hmm. find value in in uh what's natural so yep yeah I'll, now uh brandon are you guys doing the 100 fish uh day again <laughs> you know interesting that's interesting that you bring that up um so we had actually planned to try to beat that record this uh this saturday actually but you know interestingly enough here in delaware so i mean i i have never seen so saturday being memorial saturday it is supposed to be a high of 63 here in delaware which is like it's like not good fishing weather i don't think i have ever seen 63 on memorial saturday here in Delaware. So we've got, we've got, um, tomorrow, the next two days are supposed to be in the nineties and then huge wow. front comes in, you know, which we're supposed to get some rain, which is a blessing because we planted these food plots. And then we went, I mean, we have had a wet spring. It's been wet. It's been great. And then we planted the food plots and literally no rain. I mean, like it was like we planted and then it got no rain. So we're really hoping that we can get some rain from that. But I think we're going to try for, the usually the, this particular place that I go the last weekend of May or the first two weekends of June are like the time to be out there. So we're going to try to best that we're going to, we're going to see what we can do. I mean, it took us our previous record prior to last year was my brother and I one time, like 12 years ago, caught 62 and that was that was our that that's still the record for two men. Last year we went out with four of us guys and we caught a hundred. And so this you know coming up in in the next week and a half or so we're going to see if we can possibly best that. So we'll see. I mean, but it's exciting. I mean, you know, you're you're kind of competing with yourself, competing mm-hmm. with history. I mean, so it's it's kind of a fun thing to do. You know, man, that's awesome. That sounds awesome. fun. Yeah. Caribou, elk, moose, antelope, coos deer, trophy whitetails, oryx, sika deer, doll sheep, and mule deer. What do all these critters have in common besides their delicious backstraps? They can't all be hunted in the same state, meaning that at least one of these game species will require you to purchase a non-resident hunting license and tag in order to hunt them. Now the rules of the tag application game are wildly diverse from state to state. And if you are looking to complete a bucket list hunt, you are going to want some help to make sure you are setting yourself up for the best opportunity possible. And that's where tag application and hunt planning agent, Alex Gruen of East to West Hunts can really help you out. If you've listened to any of the episodes we've had here on the First Gen Hunter podcast with our buddy Alex, then you know there isn't anyone who cares more about the details of tag acquisition than him. Alex not only will help you through the hoops of the tag application process, but he will also help you plan the details of your trip 
that will get you where you need to be in order to have your best chance at filling your tag. And he is offering a 10% discount for First Gen Hunter podcast listeners such as yourself. All you have to do is purchase a service through his website, alexgruen.com. That's A-L-E-X-G-R-U-I-N.com and use the code FIRSTGEN10 at checkout. F-I-R-S-T-G-E-N, the number 10, and you will receive 10% off the hunt of your lifetime. I made another mistake in the last episode that was published. Um, it wasn't as bad as the, the first one with uh, Mr. Heath Rayfield, where I, you know, had the 20 seconds of silence and I just like, <laughs> oh man. And of course, it was I a dramatic pause. Oh, There's nothing wrong with that. And, and of, course I, I, of course, I hear it on my way to work. You know what I mean? So it's like, great. Now there's nothing I can do all day long. Before. Oh. Oh, it's just like eating me. So it wasn't as bad as that, but it, and, and you know, if it, if I wasn't a science teacher, it wouldn't be so painful, but because I literally spent back when I used to teach earth science, I would teach this very concept every single year. And that was, you know, the, the position of the earth in relation to its, uh, uh, orbit around the sun. And we talk, you know, about perihelion and aphelion. And we talk about, of course, the equinoxes and the solstices. Well, I mixed up the summer. I said the summer equinox at the beginning, like an idiot. And, uh, <laughs> and it just bugs me. So as we approach the summer solstice, which is coming up on June Great. Now I sound like an idiot. June 21st. And uh, <laughs> I almost forgot. On June 21st, the longest day of the year, the official beginning of summer, we will be into, you know, those last few months of preparation before we are into hunting season again. In fact, if you uh, live in Brandon's neck of the woods, you will be in a deer stand less than three months from that point. Yeah. And so, you know, it's, it's getting here. So for this, you know, part of the show, I thought it might be kind of good to, um, and it doesn't, you know, I kind of talk, I always talk in the, uh, the, um, I don't know, context of deer hunting probably too often. So this doesn't necessarily have to be related to deer hunting, but maybe just like one piece of summer, preparation like hey you might want to put this on your calendar type of thing that you would that you would throw out there for our listeners and for the other three of us listening in here as we have our conversation but um alex we're gonna go to you first man our uh almost 35 year old in another four months oh there we go go. (laughs) (laughs) oh let me uh I can't even take it serious at this point. Um, <laughs> yeah, uh, I'm, I'm a list guy, so <clears throat> it's kind of funny you ask this. I, I put down, like, check marks of, of when and what I want to do stuff. So June 1, I kind of set out of I got to I gotta shoot more with my bow, uh, seeing that I got my Arizona elk hunt that's an archery hunt this year. And then mm. um, just getting out, <clears throat> just shooting 
a little bit more, even with my rifle as well. I got sure. a, mm-hmm. I got an antelope hunt in October, right following that. So I just kind of want to be spot on for both. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I think it's just, I, I, I can't say it's accuracy cause I feel accurate, but it's just getting reps, you know, like I, I yeah. definitely think your body, it, you know, forgets the conditioning. I'm not mm-hmm. a guy that literally shoots my bow. 24 7 every day 10 arrows kind of a deal Mm -hmm. i like Mm -hmm. i i put the arrows down i feel good i i do shoot you know leading up to it for a couple months Mm -hmm. and then and i'm good to go uh so i just i got to get back into the reps of that for my my Mm -hmm. shoulders and stuff yep Mm -hmm. yeah well that's i think that's a, a smart and you know a i guess maybe like a good a good ethical thing too. You know, we talk a little bit about hunting ethics from time to time. I don't think you can ever go wrong in trying to become more proficient with, with, uh, you know, your bow or your rifle, your muzzle or shotgun, yep. whatever, you know, whatever, yep. whatever gives you those cleaner kills. And, um, you know, <laughs> you're talking about going way into the back country for an elk hunt. Uh, yeah. That the longer that elk stays on his feet after impact, the longer your uh, pack out gets too. <laughs> so, yeah. yeah. So it's uh something that pays off in many different ways. So I think that's good. All right, Jake, what about you? What's your uh what's your one preaching point for this summer? Um my one preaching point I would probably say is put stuff on the calendar. Um so look into the future, pick some hunting dates and put them on the calendar. That's something I did last year and that really got me out more instead of just rolling into the season saying i'll just hunt every weekend while then stuff comes up and Mm, (laughs) not going out so that's probably my biggest one for me and then probably just shooting my bow continue not don't get sick of it but keep shooting it and uh get better and buy a tree stand so i guess three there's three for me so there you go that's good it's good (laughs) to have quit mooching Good to have, good to have some, <laughs> some, some, uh, stuff in place there for sure. Well, uh, I'll finish up this time. So Brandon, uh, you go ahead and, uh, yeah. say what you would yeah. advise people to do over the summer. Yeah. So, I mean, you know, I, I think the, the key theme so far is preparation, you know, and so everyone prepares, you know, a little differently. I mean, you know, for, for me, you know, individually, you know, I, I've been really focused on food plots, um, this spring and, and the success that that's going to lead to, um, you know, in the fall. So, I mean, food plots are are really cool because, you know, whether you've got a piece of property where you can do legitimate food food plots in, you know, a couple acres or whether you've got, you know, small little areas, even honey holes in the woods, you know, with simple things like throw and grow, which is, you know, food plot mix that can be, you know, done without tilling, you know, no till type stuff. There's a Mm. lot of opportunities out there, no matter what you have. And so, um, it, it's good to use as like little honey hole type setups where, okay, maybe it's not going to, you know, dramatically impact the, the, you know, the, the forage that the deer are going to have, but it's going to give you an opportunity within a localized spot for potential shot opportunities, or maybe sure. you have the opportunity to, to plant an acre, you know, and where it's going to, you know, really impact the, the, the deer in that location. So that's something that we've really been having fun with. And, you know, with that also the mentorship, you know, if you can get someone into, getting out in the outdoors, you know, I know Alex mentioned what he does, which is incredible, you know, really kind of paving the way to, you know, and, and what it is a beautiful thing. Like, so I'm a big country music fan. I I'm, I'm of the opinion that most people, if you let them listen to country music a little bit, 
they'll like country music, you know, and it, it's kind of <laughs> like, you know, and it's, it's, and it's partly because country music's talking about hunting and dogs and everything else. So yeah. you see, it all blends together. You know, same thing with hunting. You know, if you get someone into it, if you, if you give them the means to get into it, most people really enjoy it, you know, and, and, and you could say hunting, you could say outdoors fishing, you know, there's, that's a broad category, but if you take the time to really you know, state organized with how you're going to help someone. Like for instance, the way we do it, you know, in, on our side of things is I have a mentorship program within our hunting club that I run, um, where basically we offer new hunter memberships and it could be, you know, like you know, I connect with someone and I say, Hey, you know, this is something we're offering. You know, it's a, it's a dramatically reduced fee for someone getting into hunting for the first time. Basically what's included with it is facilitating, helping them go through the hunter safety course, attending the field day with them. If they need that in order, you know, in order to provide support for shooting the gun, things like that It includes helping them practice a weapon, learning that process, um, hunting with them, you know, so they're coming and observing multiple hunts, you know, and then ultimately, uh, getting them to the point where they would feel comfortable to be in a stand by themselves. You know, those types of things, not only do they help people actually get into it and follow through, but you're building relationships at the same time, which is really cool. And so, you know, uh, my encouragement to those people out there who are seasoned, you know, look for opportunities to do that. It doesn't have to be some official thing either. You know, it can be like, Hey, do you want to go fishing together? Do you want to go, you know, Hey, can we go out hunting together? You know, look for opportunities to do that. You know, I think, uh, you know, I think if COVID's taught us anything, you know, I, I, I have a thought about COVID, you know, that in American culture, a lot of people want to be left to themselves, hmm. which is an unfortunate thing. You know, I think yeah. um, in many respects, COVID gave people the perfect excuse to not be with other people. Um, and and what we, I think, what we learned from COVID is people do need to be with other people. You know, yeah. even if they don't realize it, they need to be with other people. And so that fellowship and that camaraderie is really important. It's important in life, but it's also, of course, important in the things that we enjoy. And we've talked about this many times. But if you can amplify what you love by sharing it with other people, it makes it even better. And so. Um, don't be afraid to do that. Don't be afraid also to ask for help. You know, if you're newer at it and you're trying to figure things out, you know, don't be afraid to ask someone for help, you know, because many times people don't know, you know, they want, they'll, they'll be willing to offer it, but they don't want to impose by asking and oh, I don't want to be offensive. Maybe they don't, you know, it's, it's kind of goes both ways. So don't be afraid to ask for help and definitely be willing to give help. If you, if you're in a situation where you've got some property and you've got means, or you've got an opportunity to like Alex was saying to, to help, you know, pay for someone to go through the hunter safety course. I mean, <clears throat> that, that means all the, you know, a lot of times people, all they need is someone to take an interest. Yeah. yeah. You know, that's all they, that's all they need. But, you know, we're in this fast paced world that we're living in. It's, you know, we're just running around all the time rather than focusing on opportunities to spend time with people and, and make a difference and create relationships. So that's really, I guess what I would say, take a moment to do those things. Um, and then I would just, of course, reiterate, you know, what, what the other guys said too. I know for me, I'm, I'm definitely not, I, I can relate to Alex, you know, in terms of, I'm not like that guy that, shoots all year round, same type of deal. But I agree with him, you know, that muscle memory of building up to that yeah. as the season gets closer, you basically want your weapon to be an extension of yourself. I mean, yeah. that's really what you want. I mean, you want to be that comfortable when the season comes around where it really does feel that natural and that comfortable that it is an extension of your arm, you know? So that's, and for some guys that might mean 
doing it for, you know, six to nine months out of the year for other guys that might mean, or ladies that might mean, you know, a month or two months leading up to it, because that's going to what, that's going to be what makes you feel comfortable. But, you know, this kind of goes back to the conversation we were having earlier, you know, about Alex mentioning the outfitter side of things. You know what? Do what you're comfortable with. You know, everyone's a little different. There's room for differences. And you know what? That's okay. That's, that's the beautiful thing about hunting, you know, and that's the cool thing too, about mentoring people, because what you're really, what you're trying to do is show someone the way you're not trying to make them you, you're trying to show them the way and help mentor them so they can enjoy it for themselves too. And so that's the beautiful thing about it, you know? And so as we enjoy that, we have room for differences and, and that further helps you enjoy things. Um, and so uh, that's my encouragement to everyone. And I'm, I'm already excited. You know, it's, it's funny. I actually had a, uh, I had a 17 year old girl from, uh, church approached me and she was talking to, um, the assistant pastor, who's one of the guys I mentored this past year. And she was like, Hey, you know, I'm really interested in getting into it. And I mean, it's not someone who I would have ever expected. And I said, you know, Hey, well, this is a little different situation with you being a younger girl, but we can definitely work it out to where, man, we can, you know, like Joel and I, or, you know, a couple of people can, you know, help you out and get you out there or whatever. And then, you know, I had someone else who, I never in a million years I actually was told, no, they're not interested in the outdoors. Turns out actually they are, you know, they just <laughs> wanted cool. someone to help them out. You know, they, and, and, and this individual was a guy, you know, in his thirties and you know, the older you get, you know, it's a pride thing too, with guys, you know, like, oh man, I don't want to ask for help and man, I should just be able to figure that out. And, uh, yeah, I won't do it. It's fine. But you know, when someone helps or offers to help, man, okay. All of a sudden that Avenue is, is turned, you know, as an option and you're willing to do it. So, mm-hmm. Look for those opportunities, take advantage of them and enjoy it. I mean, that's what it's about. Enjoy. Mm -hmm. I, 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 we had some conversation at some point in the past episode about making your own adventures, enjoying, you know, whether your adventure is close by or whether you're traveling like Alex and having these cool opportunities, you know, get yourself out there, enjoy an adventure, prepare, have fun. You know, that's what it's about. And at the end of the day, it's about making memories and enjoying what we can do with the people that we love and care about. So, I mean, that's what it's about. Make it, make it fun, you know, and enjoy. So, man, I'm getting pumped up just talking about it. I was going to say, I think you already turned 35 while you were talking. There's so much of this, this uh, old man sorry, wisdom I got, I got there. Oh no, that was, if I am wrong, Running for president, I think I found my platform. You know what I mean? <laughs> that's so, right. Yeah. That's right. Make America hunt again. <laughs> oh, that's now. Uh, now, Kent, give us give us your side of things in terms of what you're looking at for the summer and and prepping and what you would have to say in terms of recommendations and all. For sure. Yeah. So, you know, I guess I would I look at it as again. This probably goes back to when I was talking about. I'm I'm a safety minded person, so I mm-hmm. also I also. Uh, am like a, I don't know, I think Alex and I are actually kind of similar in this way where he was, you know, being all conservative with his uh, self rating earlier and everything. You know, I, I try to make decisions that minimize damage <laughs> down mm-hmm. the road, you know? And uh, one of those things that I hate feeling is like when I get to the moment and I'm like, man, I really should have taken care of this earlier. And there is no way I can really effectively take care of it now. You know what I mean? Mm. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah. with, so again, talking the context of deer hunting, I, you know, you could apply this in so many ways. 
You could apply it mm-hmm. like what Brandon talked about, getting a food plot ready if you're into that. Um, for me, the big one for me is I want to have, because this has gotten me almost every single year, I don't just want to have like the, the I don't know, for lack of a better term, arsenal of tree stands at my disposal. Mm. I don't just want to have, you know, the uh, practice in for how to use that tree stand. I want to know the exact tree that I want it on. And I want to have a appropriate lane to shoot through mm-hmm. and, and uh, you know, have the, have that decision made before I get there, because I've talked about it before in previous episodes. There were a couple times, one specific time where I stared down that one seventies class in Illinois from about 45 yards on my way in to go do a hang and hunt. And I uh, couldn't, you know, that, that was out of my range as a new bow hunter for mm-hmm. one. And, uh, <laughs> and he, at one point he, he was in range, but I just couldn't, I couldn't get a shot, you know, lined mm-hmm. up. And, uh, I think that was probably part of it. Like, you know, you have that adrenaline dump and then the way your mind works after that, it's just kind of all over the place. But I had yeah. that major, like paralysis by analysis freeze up moment when I finally got to where I want, thought I wanted to hunt, which was downwind of a doe bedding area, which is what you're supposed to do, you know, during a rut. And, and mm-hmm. so, you know, I'm trying to do the, 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 the right things, but when I get into the heat of the moment, because I don't have the tree picked out or, mm-hmm. you know, th- the situational, uh, you know, adjustments planned out ahead of time, mm-hmm. I get there and I freeze up and I end up, right. I end up kind of doing, remember when we interviewed Casey Byers on the elk thing and he talked about on elk hunting in Idaho and he talked about how so many new hunters and Alex, you could probably attest to this as well. So many yep. new hunters get out West and they stop not aggressive. Right. Right. They yeah. stop at the yeah. trailhead. They, they literally just freeze up and say, mm-hmm. you know, I don't want to get this far from my truck. I don't, then why on yeah. earth did you go all the way out there? And I say right. that, I say that understanding that I'm guilty of the same thing. And so mm-hmm. heading into, heading into this summer, my advice for myself, first and foremost, and to anyone listening in, take care of the things that are out of the question once you get there, you know, and, yeah. and, you know, the biggest ones are going to be the same stand prep, stand placement. Um, even if you're going to do hanging hunts or saddle hunts, you need to have those trees mapped out and, and for different, different situations too, you know, different wind direction and, um, um, you know, make sure you've, you've got your, your gear set too. you know, you want to make sure that like, I like to do, uh, I'm, I'm so such a paranoid person when it comes to, uh, scent, I like to have my stuff washed a couple times before that first time I'm out there. You know what I mean? I don't, I don't want to be waiting till the night before finally Mm -hmm. getting my stuff out from last year. And, and, you know, you got to take care of that time sensitive stuff while you have the time and while you have the time, it may not feel like it, it is now because it's definitely not the day before or the night before, you know? So that's my advice to everyone. Take care of what you can't take care of later. Take care of it right now. Good advice.
Well, folks, uh, we got another special guest. Well, a familiar guest, a, g- a good old <laughs> wise guest, emphasizing yes. that old. We're going to talk about it a, yes. few, a few times in this episode, <laughs> but but our good buddy Brandon, who's been here ever since day one of First Gen mm. Hunter, our good buddy Brandon from The Hunt Fish Life. And uh, Brandon, can you take it away with our tip of the day? Yes. Well, I tell you what, sir, it has been a blessing and uh, it's awesome to continue to learn and to grow together. So, um, you know, we're, we're, one of the things we're talking about a little bit, even in this episode is food plot prep. And, you know, a lot of guys around the country right now are getting those in for the springtime. And, you know, one of the, the simple tips, you know, and, and, and something that I think probably is not necessarily overlooked, it's thought about, but I think a lot of people avoid it because they they think it may be a little more difficult than it is on um, the importance of soil samples related to food plots. And um, one of the, the, the organization that we use a lot is the Whitetail Institute, which is a renowned organization, does a lot of great things, has great food plot, you know, seed, um, does the soil samples, has a lot of different, you know, options. They've got, um, you know, mineral blocks, different things like that. They've got a lot of different stuff. Um, it is so easy to get a soil sample. They, they send it to you, order this, they send it to you. You take a little sample of the soil in the, in the area where you're, you know, thinking about putting a plot and keep in mind, remember too, food plots don't have to be an acre. They don't, they don't even have to be a quarter acre. They could be a 10th of an acre. They can be, I mean, food plots, use your imagination, you know, in an area, even in the woods that gets a fair amount of sunlight. Hey, great spot for a miniature food plot. So the options are wide open. That's, you know, you know, another part of a conversation, but for purposes of the soil sample, super easy to do. They send it to you, you put the, the soil sample in there that they request, you send it back to them. Well, you then receive very quickly. They do this very quick. You're not waiting for months. I mean, you're talking a week and you have this back. They send you a report of what you need to add to the soil. The desire, so you're, what you're doing is you're identifying what you would prefer to plant, you know, so whether it's clover, alfalfa, power plant, which is like a version of a, a soybean with um, sunflowers, you know, some really different, cool, different options. You can select what you would prefer to plant. They're going to send you back what your soil's pH is, which is critically important. They're going to send you back what the preferred pH is for what you're trying to plant, how much lime you need to apply in order to get the soil there. And then also what the recommendation is for fertilizer and what type of fertilizer they would recommend in order to optimize the growth potential of your food plot. It's so easy to do. And for, for guys out there who have done this, you know, you, you know how simple and easy it is to do because even the application of lime or fertilizer is not difficult. But this is the first step because what you don't want to do is go out there and just start throwing stuff um, on your plot. Um, number one, that could waste money and number two it could you know could do more harm than good so take the time to just get that simple food plot or the simple soil sample you could use white institute there's a lot of other organizations that can be utilized as well take the time to go through that because at the end of the day you are putting time and money and it's an investment you know into these food plots and what you don't want to have happen is you do it and then it doesn't turn out well and you've taken the time and the money and kind of wasted it go ahead and, and be smart about getting that soil sample back and then applying things as they recommend, and then ideally, hopefully, watch those food plots flourish, and then watch your opportunity levels increase as you get into the season. So that's my tip of the day for you guys as you're working on prepping those food plots. As a biology teacher, that is uh, like 
music to my ears. <laughs> Pay, paying attention to all those those little uh, finer details that affect the yes. the overall ecological picture. There, that is that is great. Well, thanks, Brandon, for the tip of the day, and thank you everyone for listening in. Hope you enjoy the next part of the show. Well, we have covered some interesting hunting news here in recent episodes, and um, tonight there's kind of some new stuff that's, you know, if you uh, listen into other hunting channels and, you know, just check hunting headlines, you're probably hearing about a couple of interesting things that are developing Uh right now well in some ways have already developed and they're going to happen and uh you know we've talked about the the buffalo uh depredation deal going on down in uh, the grand canyon and we talked about that crazy uh proposal in montana where 60 percent of non-res tags were going to go straight to uh um outfitters and uh there's kind of some other stuff that's really really interesting and um one of them is super controversial <laughs> always has been but uh yeah. alex is kind of our our uh you know big scene hunting guy who likes to to follow all of these different things and and collect info info on it because it directly applies to what he does with east to west so alex can you give us a rundown on these two unique bits of news in the hunting world yeah i won't i won't get too deep in the weeds on it but just uh first controversial topic was the uh, montana bill uh 637 which i think came out might be two weeks ago now but uh it was essentially like an emergency uh, order <laughs> for <laughs> for uh, essentially here here's the nutshell but there were 3000 tags that were given out specifically for non-residents that applied to hunt with an outfitter so hmm. uh, a lot of states i would i would venture to bet most western states as i've kind of dove into the numbers i know for a fact uh, New Mexico, Arizona, Colorado, uh, Nevada have all seen some crazy numbers of, of, of non-residents or just applications as a whole have increased drastically sure. two years in a row. So essentially these outfitters that had people that were applying for tags, they didn't, they didn't get these tags. So these outfitters are not able to book these hunts. So they did a immediate, like, bailout essentially for these outfitters by allowing these non-residents that booked with outfitters to <laughs> still get up to 3000 tags over wow. the counter after the draw mm. so they could go hunt. So it's, it's, it's controversial just in a sense of, well, it's a bailout for outfitters and yeah. then it, it, it really doesn't, you know, I think the controversy is, well, well, why are they doing it in two uh, you know, odds were the odds. So why didn't we stick to the odds? Right. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So 
the, the other one was the, the wolf bill in Idaho. So, you know, wolves are huntable in, in Idaho, but the goal there for years has been that they are to essentially have a objective of 150 wolves or 15 packs or both. And they've been way high. Mm-hmm. And, and I, and I've witnessed them in, in Idaho on camera I've, I've seen them, but they are very, very elusive and, mm-hmm. you know, they're, they're trapping them and they're hunting them and the non-resident fees or really a wolf tag fee is, is very nominal. I mean, I, I think a non-resident is like 30, 31, 75, 32 bucks. So that's nothing oh, wow. yeah. for a tag. Uh, they definitely want to keep the predator population down, but they haven't been able to. So, uh, it was signed in, into law that they can shoot essentially up to 90% of the wolf population by sharpshooters or basically hiring in contractors to take care of business if they need to, to get the population down. Mm. So Mm. it's, uh, it's caused some, some ruckus for sure. I think the biggest controversy is that it's not a, uh, you know, it's, it's not a management of wildlife decision. It's Mm a, it's a, signed into order decision, which kind of opens up a whole nother ball game, kind of like wolves being released into Colorado by poll at, yeah. you know, voting ba- like that's, ballot box biology. They call it yeah, right? just, just, just dumb <laughs> in my opinion. But, uh, with that, you know, a lot of people are happy because they're claiming that the wolves kill so many ungulates and this will keep those things in check and ranchers can take them out and so on and so forth. So it is what it is. But those are those are kind of the two things right now. I would say they're, they're stirring up some ruckus in the media. Yeah, it's good to follow those things. You know, the 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 one with the. Uh, and I think you used a good word there. It does seem a lot like a bailout. And, uh, you know, if we were, if, if we were out there, may, who knows, maybe we would have a different opinion, but, but from a non-resident perspective, sitting over here in Iowa, uh, it just, it, you know, if let's say if something like that happened here in Iowa, I would, I would have, I, I would, you'd have to really sell me on it that that's not what that is, you know? If somebody would really have to walk, walk me through what's going on there, but, but, uh, it is what it is. And, um, you know, it's not worth getting too upset over, I don't think, but the, the wolf situation is just really a, I don't know, it's, it's gone on now for, and I've actually read, I've read the biography, the autobiography of the guy who, um, who's actually an Iowan who uh, was one of the main people involved with bringing wolves back to the Western lower 48, as far as not just wolves that were, you know, crossing the border from Canada on their own. And, and uh, you know, the, the actual go pick up wolves, drop them off here in, in the lower 48 in the West specifically. And, um, you know, I've heard interviews with that guy. Just fascinating story. Uh, I I strongly encourage anybody to, out there to to read that. It's actually the book is called Wolfer by Carter Nehemiah. Just a fascinating story behind all that. But I have heard in various places that there's this strong sentiment that the, the like Alex mentioned, the wolves have. It, 
almost single-handedly, you know, it have have been blamed for really hurting specifically the elk populations. And um as a as a person who studies a lot of ecology both for my job but also as, you know, a hobby, usually ecological problems are far more complex than just simple cause and effect, you know, what, than what you first just look at what, what first meets the eye. So there, there are some other things that I have heard mentioned that make a lot of sense. Um, uh, one thing that's been, been stated was, you know, elk numbers pre pre wolf in Idaho were very high. We're, we're kind of, uh, so this is, this is just an argument that somebody has made. I'm not saying that, that I have authority on this. It's just what I've heard that they were kind of, uh, inflated because in the early 20th century, um, there was some major fires that took place in Idaho. And, uh, the thing about fire that might seem, Oh, that destroyed a lot of habitat. Well, it takes old forest and makes it a young forest. Again, it gives you that, gives you that nice, uh, low level, uh, cover, which is good for, for, uh, you know, a lot of ungulate species that have helpless, easily preyed upon young and gives them a better place to, uh, you know, survive uh um predation and uh uh of course wolves not being on the scene then you know that also really helped them grow in their population rapidly as well and so then you know you get away from that fire by almost you know 100 years and you got an old forest you know ecosystem again in a lot of those areas and so you don't have that ground level cover anymore so it's, you, you're not you're not recruiting as many uh calves you know as, as you <clears throat> when the habitat was was more preferable again i'm not an expert i haven't i haven't deeply studied this is just a theory i've heard and it you know seems reasonable enough but then with that at the same time you know now you bring in this top-level predator that is built to kill elk, <laughs> and it's going to have an effect for sure, you know. And so, do wolves deserve some blame there? I would, I would say so. Yeah, I, I would say so. You know, you can't go from not having something that that's a major player in the the ecology of that area, take it out, and then put it back in, and there not be some kind of effect there. And mm-hmm. and uh, the other part of it is. Wolves, for whatever reason, and and Carter talks about this a lot in his book, wolves, for whatever reason, are just a keg of gunpowder, (laughs) politically, Mm -hmm, emotionally, socially. I mean, people wear howling wolves on t-shirts and they, they, uh, (laughs) you know, they, for as, as, as hateful and spiteful as some people, uh, can be towards wolves. Yeah. Kill them all. The only good wolf is a dead wolf. You know, that crowd, Mm -hmm. there's the equal and opposite wolves have magical powers and they should, uh, you know, we should make as many of them alive on this planet as possible. <laughs> you have that group of people out there too. And so you get this, this, as Alex kind of described this really a, an experiment, a social experiment about a scientific and ecological issue. And it's a social issue. It's a political issue before it becomes a, you know, an ecological issue. And, mm-hmm. um, 
that has really played into this. And again, as Alex said, uh, from my understanding, the the population numbers have far exceeded what the original agreed upon totals were supposed to be. And uh, yeah, they're they're probably killing a lot more elk than what hunters originally thought they would when uh, they were coming back on the landscape. And um, <clears throat> then along with that, uh, something that affects far, and we've talked about this before on the show, something that affects far affects wildlife far more than any other factor is development the good old urban creep right and you know all as we heard from casey byers who lives out in idaho that has definitely Mm -hmm. happened in the boise valley now we're not just talking you know idaho is a lot more than just the boise valley but on you know if it's like anywhere else in our country (laughs) you know we we lose habitat all the time i could i could give you all kinds of examples of habitat that i've either seen with my own eyes or i've heard reported to me that have that existed a month ago but does not now right here in in my neck of the woods and you all listening in could if you really think hard about it could probably tell me the same thing and so so you know there's there's so many factors that go into this but Again, it's a powder keg issue. It's it's something that's always going to be explosive. People are always going to be emotional about it. And um, oh, yeah. sorting down to what the true root issue is just becomes more challenging when we we mix our emotions into it so much. So I guess, uh, you know, what can we do as a hunting community? Educate ourselves. I need to do a better job. I need to look at what are these, what are these, uh, population studies showing right now? What's going on with habitat change in the last 30 years and, uh, in, in, in this area and, you know, make a, make a smart, formulate a smart opinion on the matter instead of just, you know, kind of <laughs> standing back from a distance and throwing darts at a dartboard at some possible targets, yeah. you know? So, right. so, uh, I, yeah, I think it's our, it's our job to, to do that on those. So thank you, Alex, for, for bringing those up. And, uh, you know, if you're listening into this, hope you, uh, Hope you look into them a little bit and maybe uh, decide what you what you think about the matter as well. Well, guys, as we uh, kind of move into our last, I don't know if we call it a segment. Do we call it a Are we that official? Can we call it a segment? <laughs> I mean, Sounds good to me. I mean, Jake, yeah. Jake's wife used to, uh, my sister-in-law, she used to work for a news, a news, uh, what's the right term there? A news station? News there. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh man she it's turned into TV. another yeah she she used to work for a news station so maybe we can i'll have to ask her do we get to call things segments on here i don't know if we're that <laughs> official or not but we'll call it that anyways so our, our final segment here we got the mad data scientist on the on the line we need to consult him What's going on in the tag app world? What's what are some down and dirty, nitty gritty, quick hitting deals going on right now with uh, tag apps and draw results and all that stuff, Alex? Yeah, there, there's a lot of fun stuff going on right now. I would say it is it is the fun of uh, getting the results and some some deadlines coming. So I will kind of rapid fire here, but uh, draw results that are I would say the most notable. Uh, Nevada just posted results, I think, uh, 
gosh, what was it? Was it Monday? It was 20, 21st. So whatever date that hmm. was. But that was exciting. Nevada's a, a, a real good one. I will say I I was surprised. I, I didn't have any clients actually draw that I thought would oh, draw. Really? But it, hmm. Oh, really? Yeah. But that goes to show that the, the amount of people that probably applied through everything out of whack from even what I kind of expected, uh, which is which is to be expected right now. Uh, Wyoming posted their elk results finally after uh, really enjoying holding on to people's money for five months. So uh, <laughs> I, I, I only have to add that because it is like the dumbest thing on the planet that they, they, they claim they need to hold on to your money for that long when we know that's not true because because June 1st, you have to apply for, for uh, their deer and antelope and uh, those results come back within the current month. So oh, okay. it, it makes no sense that it takes them five months to do that. But <laughs> it is what it is. <laughs> and we got to play that game. And then uh, Colorado just Colorado just posted. I've been getting emails right now uh, for bear and deer. And I'm, I'm seeing some uh, notes come through right now for moose uh, application results. So those are coming from the 24th to the 28th. So that's, that's exciting as I, I would venture to bet. Colorado has the most people involved in, in hunting, uh, for good and for bad, as I think some, mm. some people know my feelings sure. there, Yep. but, uh, same deal there. You know, I had a, I had a client, uh, I was just texting back and forth with here. He, uh, he did not draw what I thought he would draw, but I braced him for it saying, yeah, you know, with, with things changing and the deer dates changing for third season, uh, this year, I just. I don't know that you're going to draw that tag. And then we got the, uh, unsuccessful email. So, Mm. so those are, those are the most notables. I think now, once you know these results and, uh, you know, you can kind of plan things accordingly if you want to do some over the counter stuff. And then if you are still looking for any draw deadlines, Mm -hmm. then we have uh, Washington state is coming due here on the 27th. So that is, you know, a couple of days away, uh, yeah. New Hampshire, New Hampshire moose. So I apply for this every year. Oh, really? Uh, that, that's, that's just a fun one. Yeah. I mean, the reality is I'm, I'm probably more likely to hunt moose in New Hampshire or Maine than I am to yeah. out West. So, so I, I do put in and that, you know, it's nominal to, you know, throw in the, the name in the hat there. So that's due on the 28th. If, if you're interested, uh, let me know on that one. Sure. Uh, Wyoming, deer and antelope is due june 1st so that is uh what i was talking about in regards to uh they're going to tell us the results later that month so there's no reason to keep my money Uh, (laughs) (laughs) dirty dogs uh Montana, uh, Montana's got an interesting one, but they, they do antelope and then they do antlerless species, uh, together, which, uh, it always is interesting on the logic there, but that's, uh, due the next day on the second, uh, our favorite state in the world is California, as we could all speak to, and that is, <laughs> that is June 3rd. I will gladly say, I don't think I have anybody that applies to California. <laughs> <laughs> so do you have to hunt, they, do you have to hunt with an atlatl in uh california is that what is that what you're limited to out there now yeah yeah <laughs> yeah and, and you also you have you have a bigger ball and chain on your leg doing it yeah, as well than yeah. being married so it's rough <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
So, <laughs> it gets bad there. You know, California just punishes you. It, they just make it like there's no point for a non-resident to ever apply there. Mm. It just it, it, there's like nothing to look forward to there, unless you really want to hunt a Roosevelt elk, and that's like your only option. Hmm. Um, Idaho elk, deer, and antelope come up on the sixth, so that's a pretty big one because those are the those are the controlled hunts for the uh, for the draw. And uh, Idaho did something mixed up this year, this uh, where they did their general tags. You had to actually, uh, I guess, to kind of go back. Idaho used to be kind of the go-to of I will go and get a general tag after all the draws are done. Mm. And this year, Idaho spiked the prices on almost all of their tags, and then they huh. went ahead and said, "You have to be on." Uh, online on the computer on this date and you have to buy the tag or you will not get it because they will sell out and they legit sold out of everything within like a day so so this is kind of the only option now aside for if somebody returns a tag and you're paying attention to it sure and then uh well your your wonderful state of iowa that's right Uh, deer is deer is deer, deer is due here june 7th you're uh, looking to, to fight on some private land. Yeah. And uh, Arizona, uh, that is uh, one that's exciting for me. Uh, sheep, deer, and bison are due on the 9th. So uh, there's, a, there's a lot on the books. I, I, I feel like I just rattled off a series of every state. <laughs> hey, there's still, there's still some good stuff out there. That's exciting to me because... I I need to uh, do better with this. Just getting some of these things applied for. I'm really interested in that New Hampshire moose. My my in laws are in New Hampshire, and uh, I think, like you said, it would be really just a, a cool place to hunt. Talk about an area that's wild. <laughs> I mean, tons of tons of uh, habitat there, and uh, yeah, like you said, probably one of the better places to actually to actually hope for a moose hunt. So at least at least this side of the border, right? I think uh, Canada's got some pretty good opportunities, but definitely some uh, different road, you know, roadblocks to get up there. I think right now, are, I mean, are they still closed off? Do you know this, Alex, for for um, yeah, people to go up there and hunt this year because of COVID? Yeah, so, so far it's it's not, yeah, it's not looking promising right now. Hmm. So yeah, they're so. they're they're way behind. I mean, I thought we were we were pretty strict, but you know, they're not letting anything go on right now, but you know, I, I think to that point, if you're looking for that moose species and, uh, you know, the other thing is, you know, how many people head out East, right? So it's, it's more of like, talk about going the other way, uh, really going up, up in that Avenue. I think it's, I think it's a cool opportunity. It's just something different. Mm, See something, see some, see some new, uh, States and, and some new wildlife. But, you know, I, I think that, northern part of of the state has some great opportunity for moose and and bear you know Mm, so yeah yeah you know what and and one thing that i've i've come to learn is there are a lot of hunters a lot of good hunters out in uh, new england and i don't think they get hardly any attention and um there's just some incredible opportunities out there and uh so just know if you're listening and you're a uh, east coaster or a, a specifically a new englander 
hey, we know about you on this show. We've had several of you on, uh, several yeah. people from there on our show before and just been blown away by some of what they've told us. And it's, yeah. it's a, it's a hunter's paradise in my opinion up there. So definitely worth looking into options all over the country though. You definitely can look here into uh, the great state of Iowa. We have, of course, some of the, you know, best whitetail hunting in the world but we have other great stuff to hunt here too so uh don't forget about some of those uh lesser known species and uh you know what it's all about just uh enjoying it as much as you can and as brandon says sharing it with somebody as jake says having an adventure and um as i would say don't feel bad if you don't uh, tag out (laughs) 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 oh man you guys does anybody have any like concluding thoughts here? This has been one of the most fun episodes that that we've done in our fifty-seven. In my humble opinion, it's just been good to catch yeah. up with everybody. But any uh, any closers for anybody? I you know I, I just listening to all of us is just get out there and and have some fun. I mean, yeah, it's just you know to to point <clears throat> you know I uh, I look at as I said, um, I'm a list kind of person, but I do a lot of like, uh, daily or weekly reflection on what did I do? What didn't I do? What do I got to wrap up kind of a deal? And Mm -hmm. I think, I think, uh, Jake mentioned it, you know, he, he put down like do something every, every weekend and that didn't work. But Mm, yeah, you know, one, one of the big things I always look at for my week is I have to have something to like look forward to for the week mm-hmm. or for the month. Yeah, and I and I and I write them out as I kind of do my 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 business planning and stuff like that. But you know, one of mine is I I have to have like something something that I'm looking forward to each month at least, not necessarily even just for the week. So I think weekends are kind of short because it's, it's short term. You have things that happen in life but even if you get out you know once a month or more maybe every other weekend you just get out there and have some fun yeah and 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 you get some experience out of that you know just like uh you know as as, uh we talked fitness you know you got to start somewhere and and you Mm got to improve yourself and and then you can kind of tie things up same same deal with this it's just just we got to get out and so much fun whether it's fishing hunting shooting your bow you know it's, mm-hmm. it's it, it just becomes a lifestyle that you're just doing it and and i think that's the that's my takeaway out of this you know i i, I know we all kind of live and breathe the same stuff but but to me it's just enjoying it and and making something of it mm-hmm. love it yeah i yeah. full yeah. Uh, wholeheartedly agree with you mm-hmm. yep. yeah i mean i definitely echo that too and i, I think one of the things that I'm learning to more as, as a, as a young father, as a, well, well, as a father of young people, I guess I shouldn't say young father, father of young kids, um, is that, you know, as they get older, you know, the more that you can incorporate your family into things, the better, because, you know, you're, you have competing things going on, you know, of course, nothing is more important than, your your faith your family you know that that's number one no question yes but you know the outdoors hunting you know that passion is part of what makes us who we are and so it's not something that you can just shut off you know if you truly love it so the best thing to do is to find ways that you can combine the two you know so and and when kids are very young that may be difficult you know it may be limited to you know, Hey, come, you know, come out to the truck, you know, look, take a look at dad's deer, you know, and, and start to incorporate them a little bit like that when it's 
warm out, you know, having them outside watching you practice. But then as they get a little older, taking them fishing, taking them hunting for an hour in the afternoon when it's, you know, a little warmer yes. earlier in the season, things like that. You know, I think the more, the more that families can do together and can enjoy together the, the bond of the family, it grows strong. And, you know, we're talking here a lot about camaraderie and brotherhood and friendships and all of that. And, you know, the encouragement to, to those of us with families is don't, don't allow your family to get lost in that mix because they want to spend time with you and they want to enjoy those things with you too. So that might be, you know, an encouragement to the family, you know, men and women out there to try to incorporate their families into it as much as possible. Yeah. Well said, get those, get those, uh, husbands, wives, Mm-hmm. sons daughters nieces nephews yep. even your parents yep. if you're a fellow yeah. first gen hunter absolutely yeah get them out there show them what it's all about yep. make those uh make those memories find those adventures mm-hmm. for sure for sure and don't forget to put powder in your muzzle loader right jake <laughs> <laughs> that's right well you could just shut it down there (laughs) came full circle it came couldn't couldn't resist couldn't resist that's okay you got your you got your dig on me on the musky fishing i deserve it i deserve it it. all right jake or do any last thoughts no i think just echoing the being intentional um i know especially for me i like to procrastinate so um, just being intentional about getting a tree stand set up and, uh, putting dates on the calendar. Um, it's just the big thing for me right now. So, yep. yep. That's good. That's wise. Well, everybody, thank you so much for tuning in. Thank you to you three for jumping on for the interview. Make sure if you're listening in, you check out Brandon and, uh, all his good people out there on the East coast at the huntfishlife.com and, uh, check out all their content that'll be coming up with uh saltwater fishing and with uh the the chasing the uh 100 fish record and uh (laughs) brandon turning 35 (laughs) tomorrow that that should be on there too (laughs) no way a a big happy birthday to brandon we gotta we gotta hide these things count we gotta hide these things (laughs) (laughs) that's right but uh but a big happy birthday to you and uh thank you you for being such a big part of this show and helping countless people uh enjoy the woods better and um you know thank you to alex as well make sure if you uh, have not yet checked out alex and all he has to offer hopefully you got a good dose of just how much this guy follows this stuff tonight yep give him a shout go to alexgruen.com look up east to west hunts on instagram on facebook interact with him he's he, before we started recording that i was like dude, you're like the most reliable guy to contact. <laughs> if I get one yeah. call, if I'm ever arrested and I get one phone call, I'm calling Alex because I know, he, <laughs> I know he'll pick up the phone, but, uh, <laughs> you know, but, I'll, I, I, I appreciate it. Uh, and, and it's, it's good to be, it's good to be, um, yeah. Like I, I was going to yeah. say, like somebody that people can rely on and, you know, I'm, I, as I've always said, I'm, I'm glued to my phone, uh, not in a bad way. It's just, a, it's, it's just a factor of life for me with, yep. with business. Uh, but you know, if you need something, I will either figure it out myself or have somebody else help you out. And I think that's, uh, kind of the key to life, right? 
Yep. Yep. Yeah. That's yeah, right. Right. Yep. So make sure you get in contact with Alex. Head over again to alexgruen.com to do that. And then please, 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 please head over to firstgenhunter.com. You can find my latest articles, all my articles for that matter, um, all my YouTube content that I have so far. Summer is almost here for me, people, so I'll be able to get some more stuff up there and uh, start, you know, uploading that through the summer and uh, hopefully pick up some more summer uh, prep stuff there and uh you know hopefully this this winter we'll have some content on that channel with uh, our kilmo ducks trip down to the boot heel of missouri right on the arkansas border and uh you know other than that make sure you uh like and subscribe to everything that that uh is first gen hunter please leave us a review that's super helpful and uh until next time Take care and take someone hunting.